The worst attitude of all would be the professional attitude, which regards children in the lump as a sort of raw material which we have to handle. We must, of course, try to do them no harm. We may, under the omnipotence, sometimes dare to hope that we may do them good, but only such good that involves treating them with respect. We must not imagine that we are province or destiny. And for me, that, I mean, that sums up so much because it just talks about looking at our kids and trying to discover who they are and just respecting that, yes, they may be our kids and we're responsible for them, but they're so unique and they're unique people that we have the privilege of getting to know. Welcome to the Daily Authors Podcast, a daily podcast all about books and the authors who gave them life. Each episode, your host interviews a new brilliant author as they reveal inside information about their incredible books and inspiring lives. Now, here's your host, Aaron Gendel. Hey, Aaron Gendel here. I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to the Daily Authors Podcast. It means so, so much to me. And maybe you've been thinking about writing a book of your own. And if so, do not wait. The world is hurting and needs your help. It needs your book. I would love to help you on your journey to write your book. So simply email me at Aaron at dailyauthors.com and I'd love to hear about your book idea. Now enjoy the show. All right. Thank you so much, Terry Capshaw, for joining me on the Daily Authors Podcast. So excited to talk to you about your book, Dying to Win, How to Inspire and Ignite Your Child's Love of Learning in an overstressed world. Love that title. Thank you for joining me, Terry. Appreciate it. I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, before we jump into your book, Terry, I always like to introduce listeners to the author. So if you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit more about yourself, your work, and what you've got going on right now. Yeah, so I have a lot going on. My husband and I live in Idaho in uh, the rural Boise area, so we're about an hour outside of Boise. We have five kids, a cow, a dog, a cat, <laughs> so we've got a lot going on. <laughs> wow, incredible. I've got four myself, so five. Wow, you got me beat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, even if you have one child, you have the pressure of being a parent, right? That's like 95% of it. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Well, Let's jump into your book, Terry, if you don't mind telling us a little bit more about what inspired you to write it and give us that high-level overview of your book. Right. So we live in the Idaho area now, but what I didn't mention is every time we had one of those kids, every time I was pregnant, we managed to move somehow. And a couple of those moves were actually overseas. So we ended up in Taiwan at one point, and uh, I had been homeschooled myself. But when it came to what was I going to do for my kids' education, at this point, homeschooling was really well accepted, but only as plan B, right? Because schools weren't performing that well in the U.S. and whatever. And so when I got to Taiwan, I was suddenly facing this new pressure. Would I put my three-year-old in preschool? Hmm. And people actually thought I was insane because I wasn't. Like, literally, people were asking me, like telling me about the extremely low cost of psychiatric care there because I wasn't putting my child into school. <laughs> and so I wanted to understand what could I do to give my kids this perfect education, you know, this really high scoring education. And so I started looking around, I started doing some research and what I saw actually shocked me because the kids were working nonstop. I mean, from eight in the morning until six or 10 at night, 
they were either doing school or going right out of school, grabbing a snack and going straight into tutoring or wow. extracurricular activities. And um, one day I was watching some kids cross the street on a weekend wearing their school uniforms. And I just thought to myself, this has to be making them suicidal. And I did the research and what I discovered was not so much in Taiwan, but in China, uh, where the pressure was even higher. We, the government there is actually saying that about 500 kids a year are killing themselves due to academic pressure and about 23% have thought about it. And so that's, that's what got me started on this crazy journey and a lot of the research that I did. So That's incredible. Yeah. What, what ages, uh, when you say, uh, you know, in school, what ages are you talking about here? Primarily, from what I understand, that study that China had was dealing with uh, high school age kids. Okay. And what we're looking at there, so as little as little preschoolers are in school for incredibly long hours and doing extracurricular activities right from the beginning, it's this race. And, uh, but in the high school age range, we're looking at kids spending about 17 hours a day studying. And the most insane thing, if on my website, I have some of this, but there are actually pictures from news articles out there of kids in the classroom hooked up to IVs with amino acids running into their bloodstream. Oh, wow. And that is so they can study a little longer before pausing for lunch. We were talking about this unbelievable level of competition. But here's what's really frightening. I realized like the least controversial thing in America is the idea that our kids need to catch up with the rest of the world. But we have no idea what they're catching up with. But here's what's really frightening. We've, there's one study that's been done on this and it showed that there is actually a correlation between the school calendar in the United States and the youth suicide rate. And that over the years, they did this long-term study, and that over the years, as the school year was extended, more days were added to it, the youth suicide rate increased even as the adult suicide rate decreased. And what concerns me the most about this is the fact that there was only one study, one very good study. But this is a question we're not even asking. And there are assumptions that we're making, the assumption that more time is better, and, and it's not even something that's even being questioned. So it's really scary as a parent to yeah. look at that and, and see those kinds of statistics. So Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, well, it sounds like you've uh, done your homework and was just curious a little bit more about your book. And I guess maybe you can boil it down for the listeners and, and really what uh, capture what you were trying to... Um, you know, put out there in the world's for the reader in your book, Dying to Win? So the number one thing that I want parents to take away that I want them to know is that one, you don't have to be stressed out going after this idea of this elusive, perfect school, this elusive, perfect grade, right? And what I really want parents to do, there's, even though the book starts out with, you know, death and, you know, all these horrible statistics, it's really about parents getting to know their children and to have confidence that they can inspire their children. So most of the book is actually made up going over seven specific steps that parents can take 
to encourage their children and to help them to be super successful, right? We don't want to keep them from going after big things, right? But it shouldn't be pressure and it shouldn't be pointless. And so that's, that's really what I'm doing is providing them with a structure so that they can actually encourage their children. And it's based on homeschooling best practices because a lot of times, well, first of all, that's the world I came from, right? And yeah. so I was able to go and interview a lot of people, but also because these are very time efficient practices and they're also things that translate well into adulthood. Oh, that's great. Yeah, well, I, I actually spent a lot of my childhood in homeschooling as well, so we have that in common. <laughs> there we go. Uh, uh, but I wondered, uh, I guess, if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit more about the seven practices you mentioned, maybe just diving into one of them in particular or something that you feel would help the listener the most. Right. So the number one thing I listed is something that I think is incredibly important today. Life has changed so much over the past, even just three decades. So my number one thing I try to get parents to do is to protect their kids' time because there are so many good opportunities out there that as parents, we really actually have to start saying no to good opportunities in order for our kids to live their best lives. Hmm. Because we look at different things that average kids today, according to one study, only has eight hours of free time every week. Hmm. And that includes weekends. Wow, really? And so we really have our kids overbooked in a sense to where it's hard for them to take the time to really process life and decide what they want to do and to do the goal planning, do the dreaming, do everything else that I really ask parents to do to encourage their children. That makes a lot of sense. I'm, I'm not at that stage quite yet. I, my kids are pretty young, but I can see a lot of my friends and they're driving around and going separate ways to take their kids to different events or sporting events or whatever it might be. It seems like by, life gets busier and busier <laughs> as they get older. Or they, it can be if, if, they, if you choose to be, I guess, is what your point is, right? And there's a lot of pressure in our society to give our kids all those opportunities. Opportunities, right? And so we do in my family, I mean, we choose two things that I have the kids involved in right now. So there are some things they do, right? Some is good, yeah. but it's that overwhelm. And it is really hard to say no. Like I wrote the book on it and I still struggle every single time there's some great opportunity. And I'm like, what if my kid could be the next Olympic runner or whatever, <laughs> you know, and you have to really make some careful decisions to be really deliberate about what you're doing. Yeah, that's great. Do you, how much do you involve your kids too in those decisions? Do you feel like a lot of parents just put their kids in stuff or how do you do it with your kids? Do you get that feedback from them to really discover what it is they're interested in? So there are a few things I go through in the different steps in my book. And one of the first steps is uh, setting expectations. And I talk about how it's important as a parent to be an authority over your children, but equally important to be an authority on them. And so that's a key thing. You really get to know your kids and then to go through with them and kind of talk to them about different dreams they have, talk to them about goal setting and that sort of thing. So there is a process I go through with my kids. And when they're young, my oldest is only nine. When they're young, a lot of it is looking at what they naturally tend toward in their free play. If you just listen to kids, you learn so much about them. Yeah. My kids are super interested in business. And one of them possibly in being an attorney, I'm not sure, but he just argues a lot. But, but my kids are super interested in business. And so what I have them involved in is more leadership and opportunities where I know they'll be able to 
do some business related things as they get older. So, um, you know, other kids are going to be interested in sports or whatever. So, yeah, just so it's just watching them interact and spending time with them really to understand who they are. Right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your book, Terry. And wanted to ask you a few questions about yourself because I feel like uh, writing a book is just a great accomplishment. So congrats again on it. And wondered who and what has influenced you the most to be who you are today, Terry, and to be an author. So for my book, I, I actually have struggled with this a little bit because I have so many friends who are authors and they have this incredible story of overcoming. And I thought, what is my story? And then I realized it's, my book is dedicated to my mother and she had a really tough educational experience in her life. And so for me doing this book is really kind of my mother's story. When I see kids who are struggling in school situations and you know, they're, they're pushed to the point, the brink of suicide because of all the pressure and not being able to keep up really that's a picture of who my mother was as a little girl, not necessarily suicidal because in the 1950s, things were way more relaxed. And after school, she was able to go outside and, you know, burn off some energy. Uh, But yeah, she's been a huge inspiration for me. And, you know, she went out of her way to do everything she could to give me the experience that she wasn't able to have to protect me from the pressures that she faced. So that's great. Incredible. All right. Well, I wanted to ask if you had a particular failure you wouldn't mind sharing with us, Terry, because I believe those are our biggest teachers many of the times. And so uh, if there was an experience or story that you feel like you learned from, you might call a quote unquote failure, anything like that you would like to share with us, Terry? You know, I think since a lot of your listeners are probably authors or they're striving to do books, I will tell you a thing that I really warn people about is when I publish my book, I've never had like postpartum depression with my children, but I really had like post-publishing depression. Oh, wow. Like I would hold my book and I would be like, I'm proud of it, but I don't really love it, you know? And so I did not do a good job of marketing my book. Really, it came out in 2017. My marketing really started when I went to a conference recently and it was up for an award. I won that award. I went up and I started speaking. I spent the rest of the weekend just talking to people about my book. Hmm. And I would say it was a huge failure because I spent two years not getting my message out there, right? For two years, I didn't sell that many copies, you know, didn't really push it out there. And I was afraid of things like I had done so much research, but I was still scared to say, hey, there's a correlation between sending your kids to school and suicide. I mean, these are heavy, scary things. But what I discovered when I actually spoke really boldly about it is people came up to me and they said, you know, that's not even half of it. Let me share this statistic with you. You know, I work with inpatients from um, inpatient teenagers and I've seen this firsthand. And so what I discovered was that I actually had a message that was helping people that was important and that I wasn't sharing it at all. So yeah, I lost two years of my book marketing opportunities. So yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing with us that story because I, yeah, I definitely believe books have that power and they're meant to be shared, right? Just as we're doing right now. And it's a big mission of mine to help authors like yourself share that message. So thank you for sharing it with us today. And I think you can only look forward in life, right? So um glad you're helping because I know 
And this is becoming a bigger problem. Um, speaking to authors, I've spoken to one recently also about suicide. And there's a lot of, I guess, growing in that 10 to 13 range, age range of suicide, which is scary. So having kids. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is. And that's, I think, something for all of, I mean, all of the authors you work with is never downplay the importance of your message. It's very easy when you get out there to have a few people just kind of act like, you know, your, your thing doesn't matter, right? But the thing is, is they're not your people. They might be your people in other areas in life, but they're not the people you wrote this book for, right? right, right. And so I can see, I mean, the impact of different books, the impact of your book isn't going to matter to somebody who's not dealing with certain health issues, but people who are, are desperately going to need your message. You know, and so I think that's important for people to remember is like there's something that compelled you to go through this horrifically painful process of writing your book and that they should actually follow people's advice like yours to get their message out there. Yeah, definitely. Well, thanks again for sharing those moments with us, Terry, and, and the stuff that you've learned through, uh, through your book writing process. Yeah. I wondered also if perhaps you had a quote in your book that maybe inspires you often, or uh, just another quote that, um, that you like that you wouldn't mind sharing with us today? You know, there is one that I included in my book, and uh, it's from C.S. Lewis. It's hard to pick. There are so many good ones out there. But this is one that C.S. Lewis wrote in The Art of Writing and the Gifts of Writers, and he was specifically talking about writing to children. And he said, the worst attitude of all would be the professional attitude, which regards children in the lump as a sort of raw material which we have to handle. We must, of course, try to do them no harm. We may, under the omnipotent, sometimes dare to hope that we may do them good, but only such good that involves treating them with respect. We must not imagine that we are province or destiny. And for me, that, I mean, that sums up so much because it just talks about looking at our kids and trying to discover who they are and just respecting that, yes, they may be our kids and we're responsible for them, but they're so unique and they're unique people that we have the privilege of getting to know. Yeah, I love that quote. Thank you, Terry. All right, well, let's talk a bit more about the book writing process, if you don't mind. And just wondered if you wouldn't mind sharing any tips or things that you've learned along the way. I know you you shared that story about not getting your book out there, but anything else that you, you wouldn't mind sharing with us uh, today that would perhaps help others that might be inspired or aspiring to write a book? I think one thing that's really important, sometimes I do developmental editing. I'm not offering it right now because I'm very busy, but one thing that's really important is to create a structure, to use a structure that someone provides to you or or something like that, but then to also remember that it's a tool and it's not your master. And so you want to take recommendations, suggestions from anyone, and to use those things in a way that serves your book. But at the end of the day, if you need to make some changes to make some tweaks, then do that. Make sure that your book is going to speak to your audience and that you're not working too hard to create something that is just an imitation of someone else's work. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. You got to make it your own. And uh, like you said, use that structure to maybe help you along the way. But <laughs> I think as you saw, said before about publishing your book, you, I mean, you want to be excited about it, right? So you want to you feel like you did a good job to get that 
uh, message out there. So appreciate that, uh, those tips. And wondered also about writer's block, anything that's helped you with that or you know, if you experienced it all through writing your book? Absolutely. One thing that was really hard for me is a lot of the book was written when I lived in an apartment in um, Taiwan at two different times. Our life is so crazy. <laughs> Sounds like we, we actually lived in Taiwan, moved back to Idaho for precisely one year, had a baby, and then moved back to Taiwan. So I was in an apartment again. And uh, for me, it's really helpful when I'm writing to be in touch with nature and to get kind of some sensory experiences, that sort of thing. So my husband at a certain point is just like, you're not doing anything. He's like, what is it going to take? And so he actually hauled me to the beach several times hmm. so that I could write out in nature where I just felt more inspired. So, you know, that's one thing. And then I think the other thing is, is we can't always feel inspired. So you do actually have to say, hey, I'm going to sit down for 45 minutes I'm not going to get up until I've written something. So that was another part of it. So Yeah, those are great tips. I was going to ask what drew you back and forth <laughs> since you mentioned it. <laughs> My husband is uh, an engineer. So he okay. works for a, a big semiconductor company. And we were just there for him to help uh, transition companies when his company bought new plants. So yeah. Got it. That makes sense. Well, thank you so much for sharing all that uh, great advice with the book writing process and just wanted to make sure I didn't miss anything, Terry. So if there's absolutely anything else you'd like to share um, about anything and, or if there was a question you wouldn't would have asked yourself if you were in my shoes, what would that be? I think the biggest thing is I just really want people to see what I'm dealing with in my book is really dealing with getting rid of anxiety and replacing it with a joy and with a passion for life. And that's the big message that I want people to take away from my book. But I also want them to take it away from other inspirational things they see. In life, you don't really have to choose between success, doing amazing things, doing things that push you and stretch you, and happiness. But you do have to protect a passion for life. And the more I study things related to suicide and related to families and the struggles that we have in our modern world, I see that as the biggest thing that I want people to really be sharing and focusing on is let's get rid of anxiety and let's really, really develop this passion for life, this love for life, because it's easy to lose that in an overstressed digital world. Yeah, absolutely. Love that message, Terry. Thank you for sharing it with us today. And I wanted to make sure the listeners knew where to connect with you online in the case they wanted to know more and uh, reach out to you. So if you could let us know uh, where to connect online and also maybe a little bit more about what you're up to next. Absolutely. They're welcome to contact me at terrycapshaw.com. And uh, if they go there, they can check out, I actually have a download for a discussion guide so people can use that to talk through their kids because I know a lot of times when I talk about these things, I kind of scare the living daylights out of parents. And so I created a discussion guide to help them get on the same page with their kids. It's really a way to kind of take your kid's temperature and kind of work through that. Yeah. So I have that. And then I'm just working on really sharing my message now. I've also started a monthly group where I meet with parents and go over some of these big topics. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, all the best in your work and continued success with your book and promoting it. Uh, let me know if there's anything else I can do to help there. But 
yeah, it's it's a great message, and um, I think yeah, a lot of families need to hear it. It's an, encouraged me today to be more mindful of it, so I appreciate you sharing it with me. It's amazing. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to come on here and talk. Yep, for sure, Terry. Thank you again. Thanks for listening to the Daily Authors Podcast. Be sure to visit dailyauthors.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content.